1: Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for participating in today's conference call to discuss Point International's financial results for the first quarter ended March 31, 2020. Delivering today's prepared remarks are Chief Executive Officer Rob McLean, President Christopher Barnard, and Chief Financial Officer Erica, Eric Georgiou. Following their prepared remarks, the management team will open up the call for any questions. Before we go further, I would like to turn the call over to Sean Mansouri of Gateway Investor Relations, Points International IR Advisor. As he reads the company's safe harbor, that provides important questions regarding forward looking statements. Sean, please go ahead.
0: Thank you. Please be reminded that the remarks on this conference call may contain or refer to forward looking statements within the meaning of Canadian and U.S. securities laws. Management may also make additional forward-looking statements in response to your questions. Although management believes these forward-looking statements are reasonable, such statements are not guarantees of future performance or action and are subject to important risks and uncertainties that are difficult to predict. Certain material assumptions are applied in making forward-looking statements and may not prove to be correct. Important factors that could cause actual results to differ materially And the assumptions used in making such statements were included in our first quarter financial results press release issued prior to this call, as well as other documents filed with the Canadian and U.S. securities regulators. Except as required by law, the company does not undertake any obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. With that, I'll turn the call over to Points' Chief Executive Officer, Rob McLean. Rob Thank you, Sean, and
2: good afternoon, everyone. Today's call will be a little different than our typical format, given our pre-release and the unique circumstances we're all facing due to COVID-19. Starting off, I want to reiterate some of the steps we have taken in response to the global pandemic, which began with ensuring the health and safety of our employees while continuing to provide our partners with the best possible support during these unprecedented times. All of our teams have been working from home since mid-March, which we proactively mandated ahead of broader stay-at-home orders. This transition to remote work has had minimal impact on our operations. The team's response to this unusual time has been exceptional, and we continue our track record of quality deployments, delivering effective offers to loyalty program members, as well as progressing our heavy product development pipeline for current and new partners. On today's call, I'll focus on broader industry themes, while Eric will cover our financial performance and Christopher will highlight operational and partner activity. So I'll start with some perspective on trends we are seeing in the loyalty industry at a macro level and how we view our business within that context. One of the primary inquiries we've been getting concerns the stability of our loyalty program partners within the broader travel industry challenges. COVID-19 has continued to take a heavy toll on the travel industry, with grounded planes and hotel closures affecting our loyalty partners' revenue streams. We are encouraged by the various travel stimulus and loan packages that have been introduced by governments around the world to assist the travel industry. Many of our key partners in the U.S. and internationally have already received funds from these programs, and we are closely monitoring any further developments in that process. In addition, loyalty operators are aiming to lever their loyalty assets to drive revenue and cash flow as soon as possible, and many of these initiatives are already in motion. In the hotel industry, last month, Hilton announced they would pre-sell $1 billion worth of honors points to their co-brand partner, American Express. Marriott Hotels recently announced a similar initiative as well. We have seen this kind of pre-purchase used during other downturns, and we believe it is a very clear indication of not only the immediate value of these programs, but also the bank's long-term view of their prospects. These types of transactions are a quick source of liquidity for travel brands and are mutually beneficial for both the brands and their partners. To summarize, these events highlight that loyalty programs have a powerful value proposition, both during and following difficult periods for the travel and hospitality industries. For our partners, points and miles transactions are a crucial component of their revenue streams, and we believe they will play an even more pivotal role in their recovery. We also believe loyalty programs will be a key part of our customers' return to normal. When current health restrictions have have changed, consumer behavior and mobility patterns across the globe, those changes still present solid opportunities for our business. We're continuing to see activity from what we call future-use buyers, or people who purchase large amounts of points and miles for future travel needs, especially when they're part of a strong and creative offer. Historically, these types of offers have represented approximately 65% of our LCR transactions and are highly targeted at consumers who see the long-term value in their loyalty programs. During this restricted travel period, while we have obviously seen a very steep drop in transactions aimed at immediate travel, we have nevertheless seen some impressive results with creative offer constructs in recent weeks as consumers continue to engage with their favorite loyalty programs and purchase miles that they will use in the future. In fact, a strong offer marketed with a large partner in the past few weeks had the busiest traffic day in our history. We followed that up last week with a, with a different partner deploying another strong campaign that delivered another record day of traffic and gross sales, activity for any single promotion in points history but let me be perfectly clear as I don't want to come off as sugarcoating the current environment activity has been significantly down across all three lines of our business since the beginning of April we've been averaging roughly 20 to 25 percent of pre-COVID level activity but we have also seen promotional bright spots in recent weeks as I've described earlier I would characterize the back half of March and early April as somewhat of a shock phase to the industry that halted volumes to a near standstill. However, loyalty transactions came back with certain partners that quickly wanted to engage their members, and we are continuing to see momentum with various partners as they position themselves to accelerate growth in the global recovery. Chris will expand on some of this activity in new program launches later in the call. Let me also be clear about this. We believe we are well capitalized to weather this storm with ample liquidity and ongoing revenues that we believe will continue to grow in coming quarters. So where do we go from here? COVID-19 is reshaping not only the travel industry but our everyday lives. Adapting to and working with these changes rather than against them will be an integral part of overcoming challenges today and well into the future. We may not have a clear picture into how or when normalcy will return, but from our past experience, we believe that loyalty programs will be an asset that our partners lean heavily on as part of that recovery. COVID-19 is not the first crisis we faced in our 20-year history. In fact, some of the most defining components of our operating model came from adaptations we made during difficult times, including how we approached and collaborated with our partners during periods of industry stress. We launched our company in the wake of the dot-com bubble and bust, and we were able to build some of our most foundational partnerships during that time. After 9-11, we innovated with key partners to launch the LCR business, and that ability to sell miles directly to consumers helps contribute to the recovery for many of our airline partners. We have proven our value and successfully adapted to challenging macroeconomic conditions time and time again. This has been accomplished alongside and in partnership with many of the world's largest and most successful loyalty programs. As I mentioned earlier, we believe that loyalty programs, particularly in the airline and hotel verticals, will be absolutely critical to the recovery of these industries. We have seen airlines and hotels look to generate high margin, low cost revenue from their programs in times of crisis in the past. And we fully expect that same behavior as these companies, weather the current situation and also as they prepare for our recovery. As in the past, we will be ready to assist our partners in launching new revenue-generating products, re-engaging with their members, and generating the high-margin performance they've come to expect from working with us. With that, I'll hand it over to Eric to review our financial performance for the first quarter
3: and discuss current financial trends. Eric? Thank you, Rob, and good afternoon, everyone. I'll start out by providing a brief overview of our consolidated results for the first quarter, which started very strong, but quickly degraded in the back half of March as the spread of COVID-19 disrupted travel worldwide. For that reason, most of my comments today are not going to be typical of an earnings call, and I will dedicate most of our time to the current state of the business and what we're doing in response to COVID-19. Very briefly then, Total revenue was $82.7 million in the first quarter of 2020, compared to $95.9 million in Q1 of 2019. Gross profit, which is our more appropriate proxy for our top line, increased 3% to $13.8 million, while adjusted EBITDA in the first quarter was $3.6 million, compared to $4.6 million in the first quarter of 2019. The increase in gross profit was driven by growth in LCR and to a lesser extent, points travel, which benefited from the impact of the Air Miles Hotel Redemption product, which launched late last year. Coming off our record performance in Q419, we started the year off very strongly with solid organic growth in LCR and significant growth in our points travel segment. In mid-March, we started to experience significant declines in transaction volumes across all three of our operating segments which minimized our gross profit growth in the quarter and was the primary driver of the decrease in adjusted EBITDA. As soon as we saw transaction volumes decrease in mid-March, we focused our efforts to mitigate the financial impact of COVID-19 on our business. These efforts were focused on two main areas, maintaining sufficient liquidity and minimizing discretionary expenses. From an expense standpoint, we took early and aggressive action as we started to evaluate all aspects of our cost base. Since mid-March, we have limited or ceased all discretionary spending, including a pause on all hiring activities. In addition, we have been actively pursuing government assistance programs. Of particular note, I will highlight two programs where we have been successful in securing wage subsidies. First, we successfully applied for the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy a government assistance program available to all Canadian companies that covers 75% of employee salaries, up to 58,700 Canadian per employee. At this time, the grant covers payroll periods from mid-March to mid-June. We expect to qualify for the entire 12-week period of this program, which we expect will provide us approximately 1.7 million U.S. in payroll funding for Points employees. The timeframe for this program continues to change quickly, with the Canadian government recently indicating they will extend the program past its initial June 6 end date. In addition, we secured approximately 300,000 in funding under the Payroll Protection Program in the United States. From a financial statement perspective, our first quarter results do not reflect the benefits of either program. Our current expectation is for both programs to be reflected in our second-quarter financials. From a balance sheet perspective, we have taken additional steps to maximize our liquidity in the wake of COVID-19. In addition to mitigating expenses and pursuing government grants, we have ceased or limited capital expenditures, we've deferred tax payments in certain jurisdictions, suspended share buyback activity under our current NCIB program, and pause further cash spending, such as the funding of our RSU program. Furthermore, we drew down $40 million on our credit facilities, a precautionary move, but one that strengthens our liquidity further. In light of this action, total funds available were just over $107 million at the end of the first quarter, compared to 86.8 million at the end of 2019. Like most companies at this time, we are evaluating the impacts of COVID-19 on a daily basis. It would be naive to think we can accurately predict the length and duration of this crisis, and we are planning against multiple recovery scenarios. We believe we have sufficient liquidity to weather this pandemic based on that planning. At this time, it is difficult for us to provide investors with further guidance on our revenue and gross profit metrics. With that said, we have greater control over our expenses, which I will share some perspective on. From April onwards, we would expect our monthly adjusted operating expenses to be reduced to 2.9 million a month, which reflects the expense mitigation steps we have taken to date and current foreign exchange rates. I would not interpret this as a monthly cash burn rate as that would be well south of the 2.9 million mark for two reasons. First, this run rate does not take into account the benefit of any government wage subsidies, which we expect to save us roughly $2 million in the second quarter. Also, we are still generating transactions, which acts as an offset to our cost base, albeit at a much lower and less predictable rate than our pre-COVID performance. As we mentioned in our press release last month, We have suspended our guidance given the uncertainty surrounding the pandemic, which includes our targets for 2020 and our longer-term goals for 2022. We are confident in our ability to return to our previous run rates when the environment normalizes, but for obvious reasons, the timing of that simply isn't predictable where we stand today. With that in mind, most scenarios would see us generating negative adjusted EBITDA for the second quarter of 2020. For further context, we expect to generate positive cash flow on a monthly basis when we see transaction volumes starting to hit approximately 50% of our pre-COVID performance. On that note, I will turn it over to Christopher. Chris? Thanks, Eric.
4: Despite the recent extenuating circumstances, we continue to support our partners with their current programs in place, albeit with lower transaction volumes, as we've already discussed. We are working aggressively to mitigate the transaction volume degradation by actively coordinating as much relevant, targeted promotional activity as possible with our program partners. Several of our loyalty program partners are actively managing the balance between near-term headwinds and establishing a much, as much capacity as possible to accelerate growth when the environment improves. This is reflected by the launch of several new programs, even after the widespread lockdowns in March some of our partners were quick to position themselves for a global recovery. To name a few key launches. On March 24th, we launched our LCR services with Aeroplans, the Air Canada's Aeroplan program. We're excited to expand this partnership with one of North America's leading programs and we'll be making additional enhancements over the course of this year as they continue to implement the relaunch of the program. As you may have seen last week, we ran our launch promotion with Aeroplan. Even in the midst of a global travel pause, this promotion garnered more interest in traffic than any previous promotion in our company's history. This is an encouraging indication of not only the strength of our expanded Air Canada relationship, but also the ongoing demand for loyalty currency and a clear indication of pent up travel demand that will emerge as the industry recovers. In Points Travel, on March 5th, we launched a multi-year partnership with Quidco, the UK's largest cash back rewards program Members booking hotels on our white label site found at hotels.quidco.com can earn up to 15% cashback and select from more than 350,000 properties worldwide. This marks our first move into the global cashback segment and opens points travel to additional growth opportunities. And in our platform partner segment, In mid-April, we linked up Citibank's Thank You Points program with the Emirates Skywards program as we continue to build out our impressive network of financial services exchange opportunities. This is on the heels of our March 26th launch of the second exchange service in the Middle East with AMIA's HSBC's My Rewards program, which is now transferable into both Emirates and the Etihad Frequent Flyer Mile program. Our new business pipeline remains very active and our delivery re- resources continue to operate at full capacity. The reality is that while stay-at-home orders may, st- may lift soon, most seem to agree that we will not return to previous levels of travel and hospitality for some time. For that reason, nearly all of our business development and new partner discussions today revolve around how they can utilize loyalty rewards and programs for a return to the growth in, two- in 2021. And what needs to be accomplished this year to ensure that they're ready when strong consumer demand returns for ourselves the activity of putting new programs in market this year will also drive our results in 2021 and thereafter so we are keen on staying active in our business development discussions be it for new program launches with current partners or adding new partners to our roster the core strategies we laid out last year remain intact Although we are doing so with a diligent mindset on operating cost, we will continue to focus on maximizing performance of in-market services given the circumstances, cross-selling to existing partners, and signing net new partnerships, both in new verticals and geographies. Furthermore, we continue to investigate corporate development activities targeted new partnership opportunities across the business. As a closing thought, I want to reiterate a few key points from earlier in the call. During times of crisis for the travel and hospitality sector, loyalty rewards programs have been essential in their recovery, and how we respond to support our partners can change the trajectory of our business altogether. In 2019, LCR accounted for more than 85% of our total gross profit, and this business line didn't even exist until after we stepped up to further support our partners following the 9-11 tragedy. I'm not making a direct comparison, but merely emphasizing that the actions we take today to support our partners can have a lasting effect far beyond the current COVID-19 pandemic. And in spirit of good partnership, we're fully committed to doing that we can to help our partners during this unprecedented time. With that, I'll turn the call back over to the operator for Q&A, thanks.
1: Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you would like to remove your question from the queue. And for participants choosing speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. Our first question is from Greg Give us with Northland Securities. Please proceed.
5: Good afternoon, guys. Thanks for taking my questions. and appreciate all the clarity uh, in your prepared comments. Um, you mentioned that January and February were, were strong months in the quarter, but I was just wondering if you could maybe further quantify the decline in volume that you saw in March and maybe how that's trended into April and May.
3: Uh, okay. Eric, would you? Uh, we'll hand that one over to you. Sure, thanks. Um, yeah, so it's 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 uh, certainly fair uh, we started the year off uh very strong. Uh, we had a record Q4. Um we saw that going through pretty much uh Jan and and uh Feb. You know, we really didn't see the volume start to decline until uh midway through uh March. Um you know, I I wouldn't want to throw a number on it. I think, you know, Rob pointed out our you know we've seen some daily averages going somewhere you know twenty to twenty five percent. It probably took some time for us to get there, but it it, it certainly didn't take too much time. So I, I would view the back half of March as being a pretty big contributor to why uh, adjusted EBITDA was down for the quarter. It was really because that second half was uh, quite down across all three segments
5: okay got it uh and then you know you previously talked about purchase guarantees with customers being set up to kind of account for any type of significant situation that might arise um so i guess is it safe to assume that nearly or most of the guess of these guarantee arrangements have been reduced this year
3: uh yeah hey it's eric here again um so from a a guarantee standpoint um We typically don't pre-buy points. That's typically settled at at the end of uh, the year. In fact, in all cases, um, you know, when we look across our revenue guarantees, we don't see any risk, you know, from exposure standpoint or any sort of, um, like any cash uh, uh, risk there.
5: Okay, sure. Thanks for clearing that up. And and last one for me would just be, you know, you previously talked about the customers ramping loyalty programs during these periods of stress in the travel industry, um, which has sometimes benefited you um, in some of these difficult periods. But um, maybe just wondering if you could talk about or at least comment on the general level of ramping that your travel or hospitality-based partners have been doing in their loyalty programs and maybe how that's compared to previous periods of stress in the industry.
4: Yeah, so
2: it's Rob uh, here, Greg. You know, we've whether it was the great uh, recession or post 9 uh, 11, kind of various ups and downs uh, over the last number of years, uh, we've seen the loyalty programs and basically the airlines and hotels press their loyalty programs to uh, be more aggressive and generate uh, incremental um, revenues. And, and, you know, frankly, just thinking about those properties as just assets that can be um, utilized in in some of these distressed situations. So I think we we kind of today, you know, in COVID, we see similar responses. It kind of takes two primary forms. I think some of our partners um, are remaining active in the market uh, and so are looking for revenue generation. And you're seeing um, rich and well-communicated, well-designed campaigns that are going out into the market. Uh, really with an attempt to continue to keep their primary customers engaged through a, a, you know, pretty traumatic time, obviously, but also at the same time to generate, you know, very high margin, low cost, uh, profitable revenue. And and we've seen a number of uh, examples of that uh, here in the last little while. I think in my prepared remarks, I referenced, you know, two of the highest traffic days in our company's history uh, have happened in the last couple of weeks, as, as partners have, have used those loyalty programs to uh, generate uh, revenues in in the near term. Second path that we see a a lot of these programs going down is, you know, some things that we've been working with them on, uh, pitching them on uh, products and services that we develop uh, in the market that maybe take a normal kind of cadence of going through the, the uh, sales cycle. We've had a number of those partners now say, Hey, we know these products are going to help as we get into the recovery but they're going to help in terms of generating revenue so we've seen a number of uh, partners approach us either new or existing and say hey those things we've been talking about for the last little bit let's get going on that and so as a result we've got a fairly uh, we have a very uh, robust pipeline of, of products and services both with existing and net new partners um, that's keeping us quite busy at this time so overall theme there is, is really to see the, the loyalty programs being utilized to generate uh incremental revenues both in the short term and and uh, as, as these big programs prepare for recovery
5: okay thanks uh that, that's helpful thanks guys thank
1: you our our next question is from drew mcreynolds with rbc capital markets please proceed
6: yeah thanks very much and uh good afternoon um appreciate uh all, all the, the, the the quantitative context, uh Rob and Eric, uh <clears throat> in terms of your prepared remarks, uh definitely helpful. Um just a couple of clarifications. Um maybe for you, Eric. I, I missed the second amount on the government help. Um I, I think I got the 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 one point seven million in funding and then the PPP. How much how much was that?
3: That amount was three hundred thousand, so it would be a total of two million over the next uh, twelve weeks.
6: Okay, and is, is that U.S. Or, or Canadian?
3: That is all in uh, U.S. currency. Okay, perfect. Um,
6: and then on the accounting for for this, is this just in your P&L? Where we're going to see a net amount. Is that kind of simplistically how it works here? Uh, as you kind of get the get the payments in.
3: Yeah, it's uh it would likely be a an offset to employment costs, so it would it would lower our operating expenses. So we'd treat it as a as a government grant effectively. Okay.
6: Okay, so nothing pretty straightforward I think from that standpoint. Um maybe over to you Rob uh to kind of bigger picture Um I I guess first it, it sounds like there's been a little bit of sequential Improvement here in may but but is it safe to say, given that most of the world is still on lockdown, largely um, n- not a big bump, and then obviously into June, it just depends on how you know how how the economy comes on online uh, and then second question, tougher to kind of wrap my head around is just on hotel and airline partner consolidation probably will be an outcome here in in some way, shape or form. Do you have have any thoughts on kind of the the potential impact there? I know you guys have always handled uh, industry consolidation extremely well. Uh, Just wondering if at all possible to prepare yourself for, for some of that consolidation looking forward. Yeah, sure. Uh, Thanks,
2: Drew. I think on the, on the first question, uh, you know, it's, it's probably not surprising. It's very difficult to see too far out with any clarity. Um, you know, I, I would say you know, we're, we're, we're pretty tight, feel pretty good about the next 60 to 90 days. And, you know, a primary driver on our revenue side of things, uh, is uh, as you mentioned, um, and why May looks like a, a, a significant improvement, is, is a, our hand, the way we get a handle on kind of promotional or campaign activity that's in the market. And so we have a pretty good sense of what will run here in May and, and a, you know, pretty good, pretty good sense as well in June. Uh, and the campaigns run um, well, so the kind of very rich offers that you're seeing in the market today, uh, as well as kind of strong communications behind them uh, and really interesting constructs, constructs, we are seeing very, very good results on it. There's not as many of those in market, as you might expect, um, as we would normally have uh, in a pre-COVID environment. And so that impacts the overall revenue uh, for our company. But the individual performance uh, of promotions has actually had some really kind of bright spots. So when we look out to May and we look out to June, we can kind of get our heads around all the campaigns that are in motion uh, that are going to go into market. What I would say is our partner teams are spending a tremendous amount of time with our partners globally and really showing and demonstrating to partners that are still trying to figure out, you know, when is the right time to get back in the market and re-engage? We're out there, you know, very actively showing them that there are, uh, you know, members with tremendous demand for the currencies. There's a tremendous amount of belief within the memberships that these currencies will be valuable uh, as uh, the recovery comes forward. So don't be shy. Let's get out there um, and and put some of these offers in place. And so I would say every day we're seeing – our partner teams have more and more success with more of our partners globally in getting that message across that, you know, get out there, be active. Uh, It's generating real dollars, real revenues for uh, your your companies if we're active. So, you know, I I think I feel like I've got decent visibility through May, June, July, Um, harder to see uh, how that all plays out in uh, the second half. My belief is as we see more and more of this campaign activity driving good uh, results, it'll be
3: more likely
2: that more of our partners want to participate and and begin that recovery and generating uh, uh, economics. So that'd be my answer to the first question. Second question around um, consolidation in the industry. You know, we really haven't seen uh, any kind of strong indications of what that's going to look like. Certainly lots of speculation in in these kinds of environments, Um, you know, historically, we've seen some consolidation. Your comments are right. We've, we've historically, um, you know, weathered that, those situations pretty well. Uh, we work with a lot of these, these big players. And as we've said in the past, you know, in, in the best cases for us are when our partners are strong. So in, in, in cases where consolidation has happened and we've, we've had stronger organizations come out of the other end, that's usually led to lots of kind of new opportunities uh, for us, um, kind of on the backside of some of these traumatic events. So I don't really have a ton of visibility on, you know, who that might be uh, during this past, certainly lots of speculation out there. Um, but, you know, we are encouraged by a lot of the stimulus packages that have been put forward by the various governments, whether it's in Asia or Europe, or, or and specifically in the U S. Uh, so we're, we remain optimistic that there is another side to this that, um, you know, most, if not all of our partners will, um, Exit, uh, looking to be hungry and growing revenues, and, and looking to rely on us uh, uh, as they come out the other side.
6: That's that's helpful, Rob. And maybe a follow-up, but on the, you know, on the programs that are now out there and and obviously fewer in in volume, but but very successful. Um, is there a characteristic of those? kinds of programs like what why are some being you know that much more proactive than others it just looks as if you know we're all outside of you know the daily grind um you know eager to get our minds on other things and in, in you know future travel would be one of them so you know why wouldn't more a broader kind of set of programs be doing this as opposed to sounds like some big ones but a uh, few and far between yeah it's, it's a very good question i think
2: you know, we we speak with our partners regularly, as as you would expect. Um, and, and you know, there I would say there's a there's a group that uh, the loyalty programs have kind of free access. They're comfortable. Their brand uh, uh, leaders have been comfortable to you know allow them to stay active and engaged with their membership base. And uh, you know, those are the ones that are. Really working closely with us to put these these campaigns and these engagement offers out in, in front of uh, their you know tens of millions if not more members. There's another group I would say that are um, you know the loyalty programs are kind of chomping at the bit if I could describe it that way. They're they're you know willing. They're you know, you're they're receiving all of our data and all of our information and all of our encouragement about look these are the kinds of results we would expect to see we're lining up activities with those groups. They just don't yet have the kind of go ahead uh, from their, um, you know, tops of their organizations that their brands feel like they can be out uh, doing these kinds of promotions and communications at this kind of an uh, environment. I think those personally, I think those are coming. Um, You know, they're getting close. see a number of carriers now starting to, you know, open up certain routes. Uh, There's certainly you know, a, a little bit more growth from the domestic markets. Even some of the international carriers are opening up uh, routes uh, kind of slowly. I think those are the next group that as they start flying again or opening up hotels and regions, they'll then back that up or, or bring on uh, uh, promotional activity to support that that relay. And then there is another group that are still just at that stage where I think um, their view is until they're able to get back in the air or open up um, uh, the hotel, uh, properties, on uh, mass, they're going to, they're going to wait until that happens before they get out and be active from a communication standpoint. Um, so those that group will likely be a little bit later, but I, I do think the lineup of what we're getting ready to come in the second, second kind of wave, if you will, um, uh, is encouraging, uh, but it really comes down to their, their own brand strategies and where they are on their, um, you know, return to, to work, so to speak.
6: Okay, um, that, that's great. And maybe if I can squeeze in in, in one extra here, from a sure. member be from a member behavior standpoint, um, you know, you're, you're probably doing the the full analysis of what happens on the other side of this thing, uh, what changes, you know, kind of post COVID, if if there ever is such an era. Uh, on the member side, um, you know, what what are your high level thoughts uh, in terms of how members? you know, value, loyalty, value the currency, clearly see see accumulation and rewards as, you know, a cost-effective way to get, you know, a family back traveling when times are tough. how, How do you see that somewhat unfolding at the high level? Yeah,
2: I mean... Well, a couple of ways I'd answer that. You know, first and foremost, we're seeing programs, uh, you know, that are out in market and putting, you know, high-value offers in front of their members. Members are snapping them up at, at you know, truly record levels, uh, and so I think that means members are understanding the value of these currencies. They understand the kind of metrics around the programs, and so, you know, a recent uh, very successful promotion that I think has gotten lots of coverage here in the Canadian marketplace. Aeroplan you know we launched with them last week and they put out a a, a very interesting offer. Um, and the members lined up like no previous time. so I think members have a tremendous amount of confidence in the fact that travel will, will return and if there is value in um, in acquiring more currency they're they're snapping that up. Uh, so I think we're seeing that everywhere. Canada is a, a recent example, but certainly in the UK and in the US we're, we're seeing pockets of that opportunity. You know, when I look back at, at historically, as uh, we've come out of some of these troughs in the past, the value, uh, you know, the frequent flyer members, those engaged members who are frankly, you know, the, the, the members that most of our products are are interacting with are usually the first, first uh, you know, back in the air or back in the hotels and back in, in travel. Uh, and, you know, they will have, in our view, they will have um, a, a tremendous appetite for, getting back on the road when the time is right. Uh, And they'll be using a a combination of their assets that they've been sitting on for a while. And some of the inevitably very, very rich offers uh, and frequent offers that will be put out into the marketplace at that time. So I'm very, very certain that the the industry will be actively and aggressively incenting members to uh, re-engage, acquire more miles, get back onto airplanes. And I think the loyalty component, those free flights, um, are, are going to play a huge, uh, a huge role in that. So we think there'll be a, a, a significant appetite uh, within the, the frequent flyer base as we've seen in previous
6: uh, dips. Okay. Got it. Uh, okay. Thanks. Uh, thanks very much for all that. Very helpful.
1: Our next question is from Jim Byrne with Acumen Capital. Please proceed.
5: Hey, Thanks guys, uh, I'll just keep it to one question here. Um, just on the expense management side, uh, you, you mentioned some of the uh, subsidies and programs, where are you on uh, layoffs or furloughs and then maybe uh, some commentary around you know changes to executive comp or, or board fees, a number of companies uh, take that route as well, can you just give me some color that would be
2: great. Yeah, it's Rob. Um, you know, we've we've taken a we moved pretty quickly in terms of uh, expense management, on, as Eric's prepared remarks indicated. You know, pros all hiring, uh, all kind of replacement hiring, all uh, discretionary spending. We've um, you know jumped on the wage subsidies to to kind of take advantage of that and shore up resources. We've largely been operating right now under the, the you know a, a, an operating model or a, a formula of just shore up our resources as much as possible, and that really comes down to, uh, you know, we've been a profitable company for a long time, so the, ca- the cash on the balance sheet was very strong. Um, you know, aggressively manage expenses, uh, um, you know, drive the revenues as aggressively as possible. Um, and obviously, there was a big dip, but we're we're optimistic that that's going to improve going forward. Uh, and then tap into um, the uh, lending facilities that that Eric had set up and the finance team had set up uh, uh, and we tapped into. So you know, first thing was to really ensure on a day-to-day basis we're maximizing the, the resources that we have um, at hand. Second part of that formula is, is really pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, we've we've reduced expenses where we felt was prudent. We think uh, right now there's a term you know there's a, as we have described a tremendous amount of. Activity going on, which is a bit ironic given the, the revenue performance and the overall situation in the industry. But for us, a lot of the activity in driving these promotional um, initiatives and these campaigns, coupled with a, a pipeline that is pretty significant um, uh, to the point where we're, we're, you know, with the decisions we've made around hiring. We're actually kind of drawing a line and saying we're only going to be able to get all of these certain uh, ones done. And so we're leaving a little bit of that activity on the table. Um, And so we're staying very busy. So that formula of make sure we've got lots of resources and healthy resources and then couple that with are we are we working on high value uh, activity that's driving in-year revenue? So it's a primary focus. So that activity is driving an in-year revenue or is driving uh, productivity or products that we can put into the market in 2020 that will help uh, on the recovery. So when we look at that balance between those two, we feel where we are is is prudent. Now, look, look, you know, the third piece that we consider is how long uh, is this trough and how long can that business model uh, and that approach be sustained. Uh, And when I look at those three components right now, I feel like we're in the right spot. If that changes, if, if the revenues and we get into a double dip or the revenues don't recover as we're anticipating recovering, uh, we have a long menu of, of items that we would do to uh, take advantage of to um, shore up our resources. So we're, we right now, it doesn't feel like uh, we should be stopping launching new partners or building new products that are generating economics for the, for the business and our partners. But if that starts to slow down in any way, shape or form, the, the, we would just have no choice but to take a uh, more aggressive steps so that's really the way we're thinking about it and I would remind us, uh, everybody that you know we came into this uh, COVID-19 situation in, you know in an exceptionally healthy spot as a very kind of um, you know very happy with where our position was profitable growing uh, and we fully expect as we get through this that as travel comes back we're that same kind of a company I want to make sure we're in a position to take advantage of the of the recovery and the momentum and all the opportunities that uh, are, are uh, in front of us right now. So, uh, that's the kind of position today. But um, you know, as you would expect in this situation, it's pretty fluid, and we're watching this on a on a daily basis.
1: Our next question is from Ed Wu with Ascendian Capital. Please proceed.
5: Yeah, my question is, uh, you know, you're seeing some, uh, you know, like said, some signs of uh, improvement. Are there specific geographies where you're seeing that more pronounced than others?
2: Um, I would say it's it's Rob again. Um, I'd say it's a lot of it's driven by which partners are jumping in and engaging. Uh, Two things I'd say on that. Uh, We have partners in europe and in north america both uh, as an example that are quite active um in terms of the engagement campaigns and and such so those both those geographies would fall into to that uh, um that camp i think the other thing that's that i think we're expecting and what we're hearing from our airline partners and hotel partners is that you know for the most part expectations are that that domestic travel will be the first to recover, you know, fair amount of visibility uh, and, and expectation around domestic travel starting to recover here in the summer. Uh,
4: and so that probably
2: leans towards um, strength, more strength in the North American marketplace in the shorter term. I think most uh, uh, speculation is that the international travel will be later to come back. Uh, and so that, that obviously means markets like the, the Middle East and Europe are probably you know, have more of a, a, a long-haul international component to it. And so I, you know, our sense is North America probably comes back a little bit quicker than into Europe and the, and the Middle East, really based on the, the structures of those uh, core partners that we have. Uh, but again, a lot of that, you know, uh, to be very frank, a lot of that evolves day by day, week by week. Uh, uh, but that's a kind of currently what we're seeing and hearing back from a number of our partners.
5: Great, and then the other question I have is, you know, who's really driving these promotions? Is it, you know, the travel providers, the loyalty owners, or is it you guys, or is it a mix? And also, um, have you seen that, you know, these loyalty programs willing to, you know, offer really cut-rate programs to possibly allow you to have better margins going forward? Well,
4: I think the first part of your question,
2: it's, um, it's being driven you know, we are in partnership with our, our programs, and it's you know it's a critical um, uh, positioning for us. So, you know, we're working with our our loyalty programs that uh, between ourselves and our loyalty programs are making those decisions. It's primarily driven by, you know, when partners are in a position to uh, go well out and communicate, and if they're interested in this revenue generation right now. And we're there to kind of you know make that happen so those are where the decisions are made uh, I would say we're very very active in taking these you know pockets of, of really uh, positive results and making sure that is um, readily available to all of our partners that they understand that the what the what the opportunities are uh, and that you know getting out there and engaging and, and uh, being in front of members actually does produce uh, really interesting results so you know that's a, a bit of the uh, the role we're we're playing there. And, and I'm sorry, the second question, second part of the question again.
5: Oh, uh, in terms of you know uh, the economics and margins, is it possibly that you guys could be you know buying these points at a much better price than you were you know a couple of months ago?
2: Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe we, <laughs> we should be pushing on that. But uh, you know, right now we're, we're we're not focused on that at this point. We're we're very much trying to assist the industry and our partners and. In getting as much activity as possible, a lot of what we structure generally, uh, Ed, is you know the more volume we can drive, uh, quite often that drives more margin uh, for us uh, in, in our commercial relationships. So, you know, for us, it's a uh, you know we're aligned with the partners to to just ger- generate as much high high profit, high high margin revenue as possible, and and we'll continue down that path on on their behalf and on the partnership's behalf.
5: Great. And then the last question I have is, you know, you guys always say your biggest competitors is in the buy versus build model with the, you know, internal, um, you know, workforce of the airlines. As obviously a lot of airlines are having issues, do you see that possibly opening up more opportunities for you guys to, you know, out kind of get outsourced um, the loyalty program services for you guys?
4: Yeah. Hey, Ed. It's Chris. Um, we, we're obviously not counting on that, um, but certainly the dynamic you just described we think is very much going to be the case going forward. Um, all these airlines and hotels, all the programs that we deal with, not only do they um, have clearly fewer resources now, but they're even more interested um, as they get back online and speed to market. Um, so I think we're pretty well positioned um, with respect to that um, kind of internal competitive dynamic going forward.
5: Great. Well, thanks for answering my questions. I wish you guys a good luck.
2: Thanks,
1: Ed. Great. Thanks. This concludes our question and answer session. I would like to turn the call back over to Mr. McLean for closing remarks.
2: Great. Uh, Thank you
1: very much. Uh, We'd like to thank everyone for listening to today's call and look forward to
2: speaking speaking with you again when we report our second quarter results. Thanks again for joining us.
1: This concludes today's conference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. And thank you for your participation.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.